The objective, to deliver the NBA to you like no other. News, play breakdowns, power rankings, storylines you never hear talked about anywhere else. It's all straight shots here. Fired by straight shooters. S and gun. This is the Objective Basketball Podcast. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to the Objective Basketball Podcast. Uh, it's S here. No Lauren this week, but we have a very, very special guest, man. Uh, this is a person, if you are a Raptors fan, if you've been following the Toronto Raptors, uh, obviously with what I do work-wise, you guys probably do. Um, this is a person you already know. This is William Liu from the Raptors show, man. Will, how are you doing, my guy? What's going on, S? Um, haven't seen you since uh, you and I were at the back um, for yeah. Score FC. Unfortunately, we're not going to mention our defensive record, but uh, <laughs> a, lot, a lot a lot of good composure, a lot of good com- competitiveness from us. I think we were just uh, maybe outnumbered yeah, uh, in the midfield. So let's just blame the midfield, but how are you doing? Yeah, I agree. And let's just blame, uh, you know, like bad weather or like mm. bad, you know. You know, I think it was the cold that was getting to my knees also. I couldn't react right. as quickly as yeah. i wanted to you know um <laughs> it wasn't i listen man i i hadn't played uh footy in like i don't know four years when you had seen me play and uh-huh. when when that happened i'm making all the excuses now but yeah the, i was I'm gonna say why didn't you mention this before you yeah. joined the team that was yeah, tough i know well no i told cash i'm like hey man like i haven't played in a really long time like are yeah. you sure he's like yeah we need people we need bodies sure yeah, yeah so that's, he did that's, a, that's a resounding uh compliment we need bodies <laughs> yeah exactly mm-hmm. uh, i hope this season's going well though i haven't i haven't seen what you guys have been doing how's everything going there yeah <laughs> so it's more of the same unfortunately okay. but it's a numbers issue once when we get people out it's we're gonna be fine but we say that every week but uh yeah, yeah. i feel you i feel you yeah. man um i think over otherwise footy wise you're enjoying the rest of the season like you know epl cpl all them yeah just epl um but uh I mean, listen, um, I'm a Liverpool supporter, so it's mm-hmm. been a disappointing year, but um, there is an outside chance, very slim, especially now that Brighton has just been smacked by Newcastle. I've never in my life cared about Brighton getting smacked by Newcastle, but this season <laughs> I do have to care about that. Um, so we are chasing for that coveted uh, top four finish in the uh, in the in the Premier League, but um no, I, I can't complain, man. I mean, it's been a great year for for football. Um, I do I, hope the players get a, a break eventually. Like they play mm-hmm. nonstop, whether that's like the league or Champions League or you know in domestic cups, and then also the World Cup this year as well. But um, yeah, I, I can't complain, man. It's 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 been a blessed experience. I don't think I've ever asked you this, and maybe maybe I've skipped it on on one of the the podcast segments. But how did you get into soccer in the first place? Oh man. Um, my dad just always played like soccer is like uh probably the most popular sport in china still um but yeah, yeah he he played a lot he played a lot of university so when i was really young he he put me in soccer um nice. so that's that's and, my big that's my in in sports generally so yeah and is that is that how you became a liverpool fan like is that the no 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 he doesn't he doesn't have a club he does he just likes the game like he's just he's literally a pure hooper like he's like 55 <laughs> 56 years old now but he will still run like I don't know, thirty k in a week, so that he's like ready, so he can play. Um, Hold on, thirty k in a week? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's like a pretty regular thing for my dad. Um, 
and then yeah, he'll 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 do that so that he's in shape so that he can play on Saturdays with him and his other like super old uh, Chinese gang nice. where they're able to Hell just yeah. find a place and, and just run. So yeah, he's literally been playing like for my entire life, uh, if not more. But no, That's he awesome. was not into club yeah. sports though. Like he just likes the actual game itself. That was more of like I chose my club, like yeah, yeah, two thousand and four ish. You know, yeah, I feel you. That was the it's the same thing with uh, me and my family. Like we for some reason always supported Argentina in the World Cup because Iran is not the greatest. Uh, and then it it ended up being like they were my brothers were huge Maradona fans, so they mm-hmm. always supported Argentina. And then it turned into Messi, and it was just like okay, I guess right. we're we're essentially Argentinian at this point with the support. Um, yeah, they like they like the international stuff more than they do club in the first place. I don't know if that's the same thing with your pops, but. Kind of, yeah, actually. Because um, I think uh, they definitely – everyone sees World Cup. Not everyone necessarily sees, like, club football. Like, I don't yeah. know how much of English Premier League he watched growing up. Or maybe it wasn't even the Premier League, I guess, back then. But, um, yeah, everyone watches the World Cup. So he's very nostalgic about, like, Maradona. That was his time as well. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah, I mean, I yeah. So that's that's okay, when I picked cool. my team, too, was France. Like, you know, like, sometimes you don't get born into these countries that have – great teams and you just got to yeah. choose one you got to adopt one like i don't i china has never had a good soccer team and it probably never will on the men's side on the women's side they're actually pretty good but um yeah, yeah so i've just picked france i don't know if you know ali Dai, but that's like the only iranian guy we can ever like cling on to that's that's i mean at least you guys got a couple you yeah, guys are decent yeah. you know you guys are yeah, decent yeah, yeah a couple guys anyways that's uh that's it for footy talk we'll, we'll get into footy stuff later hopefully um to talk basketball and talk about Raptors in general, you obviously have done a, a great job uh, throughout the couple of years, past couple of years, more than that, even covering the team. Um, just overall feels, overall vibes of how you're feeling this summer with the team, how you're feeling moving forward. I know just just as a temperature check, just to see where you're at, because it seems like as far as the fan base, as far as people have been talking about it everybody is on one side or the other when it comes to what this Raptors team should do moving forward. Yeah. I don't even know about that. I, I feel like everyone is just like upset all the time. Like there's actually like no <laughs> calm down period. I'm not saying that people shouldn't be upset. I'm just like, wow, there's like a sustained level of upset. Um, <laughs> I came to grips with it. Like um, I, for me, like after the season was done, I was kind of pissed off for about a week. And then I wrote like a long column kind of highlighting like, pretty much all the important aspects that I thought went into the yeah. season, what they should do in the off season. And I just kind of was like, all right, that's it. Like I'm, I'm done on this season. Um, for me, like I, I was at this position in the trade deadline too, was just watching some of the results. Like I really wouldn't have minded if they pivoted towards a rebuild, if they um, shifted around sort of like the current core that they have, but like they, you know, didn't do that at that time. I think they still have some degree of flexibility to do that in the off season. So we'll see. Uh, but very much it's like a big offseason for the front office. Like I, I, I would like to see uh, moves being made to add talent to the roster. I don't know that that's not like a hugely controversial statement or anything like that. But no, for me, like yeah. I, I think that there are some good players here. If you want to build around them, there's it's pretty clear you need more shooting. You need an upgrade in guard play. Like it's just, you know, you watch around the league and the playoffs. Um, you just kind of get jealous at all these teams with all their um, amazing guards. You know, like you watch the first round, you're like, wow, De'Aaron Fox versus Steph Curry. Like, meanwhile, like Malik Monk would probably be our best perimeter creator for us, right? So, like, that that is a bit of a drop-off um, from what the Raptors have to offer. Um, but then again, the Raptors do have some advantages of their own. Um, but realistically, 
Um, the roster is fairly unbalanced. So if they want to win, they need to add talent. Uh, if they want to pivot in the other direction, they need to add talent. So I'm just kind of like, look, how is the front office going to add more pieces to this group? Right. I agree with you. I mean, I think a lot of people will agree with the fact that some sort of decision has to be made this summer. Uh, they've they've kind of kicked the can down the road continuously. And now this is the summer where they have to make their decision regardless. Um, I guess a place to start with that would be the NBA draft. They recently okay. had, you know, a chance potentially, quote unquote, to get Wemby. Those chances are officially dead. They mm. landed the 13th overall pick. There is at least some discussion about them potentially moving that pick, trying to trade up. Uh, before we get into that, though, I guess, do you have anybody in that range that you've been watching or, or kind of looking forward to seeing if you like them? I, I, is that something you've been kind of keeping an eye on? Um, yeah, I'm not going to pretend to be a draft expert by any means. I definitely yeah, don't watch yeah, college basketball yeah. or any of the other international or overtime elite. Like there's like so much that has sprouted now from it. Um, but usually around this time I start to like, look at, okay, so the Raptors have, I mean, that was pretty clear. They were going to end up with the 13th pick. I didn't really think that the 1% or the 4% was going to hit. Um, so who are you going to look for in that range? It's probably like five, six guys at that point, right? It's not very clear. Um, so I've been kind of just like looking around, like, I think probably most people in this time, just like, um, looking at some YouTube breakdowns. I think Adam Spinella has a really good one. Um, you know, I've, I've, I've had him on my podcast a couple of times. I just think he's a really, uh, solid talent evaluator um and yeah i mean i, I think based on watching some of his videos uh i, I kind of like kobe buffkin i think the raptors should add a guard um you know I, I think the raptors will always add best player available so like i, I don't think that um the positionality like factors in that much into what their assessments are but for me i would add a guard just because i'm sick of seeing like a, a lack of guard play on this team um and yeah the reason i like kobe buffkin I, I think you know he just plays with a lot of energy he plays with a lot of like pace in his game it's very jittery kind of style that he plays at he's able to get to the rim um it looks like he's pretty aggressive on defense as well which i kind of appreciate because he is kind of small I, I do have concerns about his defense at the pro level but um for me that's sort of who i like right now lefty as well can kind of shoot a little bit can definitely get to yep. the rim um so that's where i'm at but again like i i'm not uh i am not a draft expert so yeah, that's no, just I, me watching someone else's video. Yeah, I know, I know, and honestly, I, I same here. I'm not gonna proclaim. There are much smarter NBA draft people than me in terms of like just following stuff. So definitely, absolutely agree with you that hey, we are from a casual perspective of the NBA draft analyzing who the Raptors should pick. But when it comes to the lottery, I think a lot of people have brought up this idea, and this has been the talk of the last couple of days: is what they should do with that pick, maybe packaging it, trying to move up. Maybe there's the opportunity with Portland, like a lot of people have mentioned, to potentially move them. And, and, you know, the idea that the Blazers are looking to get another star. And that star obviously comes up with all of the Raptors' decisions they have to make this summer on Pascal's contract, OG's contract, Fred, Gary, all those guys. There seems to be this talk about, hey, maybe the Raptors can, you know, make the most out of that opportunity and land a high lottery pick in this draft by moving one of those guys. Do you tend to agree with that? Do you think that is an opportunity and would you even, you know, consider something like what people have mentioned online, which is like 13 and, and Pascal, and then you do three assignments or something along the lines of that? I don't know the exact details, but that's what people have usually been discussing. I mean, I think I think the front office is unlikely to move in that direction. I just don't get the sense that uh, they're looking to rebuild. Um, mm-hmm. Certainly, if they wanted to, like, they literally just could have been in a very similar situation themselves if they pivoted towards tanking. 
um, at the at the trade deadline. Obviously, they went in the opposite direction instead and actually won a lot more games um, to get themselves from four games under 500 uh, to 500. Now, of course, I didn't really do them anything in terms of uh, the play-in. They literally didn't even get out of that. But still, um, that's the direction that they ultimately went in. So I, I don't actually think that they'll trade Pascal. But, I mean, in that case, I don't think it's a bad value proposition. I don't necessarily see why it needs to be packaged with 13. If you are going to trade Pascal, I would probably just rather have more first-round picks on the team. Um, I think we'll signal a pretty sharp directional change based on what they've been trying to do. Um, you know, and I also think that from uh, the front office perspective, like, what is the point of paying Masai $50 million and Bobby Webster $8 million, which I think is reportedly their, their salaries? Um, like, what is the point of paying management that much money if you're going to rebuild? Like, you, if you want to rebuild, you, you probably get rid of the whole front office cut costs on that front and then you can just get a guy to come in and tear down like it's actually not hard to tear down it's much harder to build um as a value proposition i mean um i, I don't mind it uh if you want to move in that direction which again i'm, I'm really not opposed to um you know I, I think starting with the third pick or starting with the fourth pick that's not a bad idea um especially because it sounds like right now obviously one is going to be one mayama to the spurs um it sounds like Two will be Brandon Miller to Charlotte. I mean, based on what they have on the roster, I think they probably want to add a wing rather than adding another guard. Also, I think maybe some people are like a little bit underwhelmed by uh, Scoot Henderson in the G League. Like, you know, the stats aren't like blow you away in terms of the yeah. G League stats. Um, obviously, he's competing against older competition, so that's impressive. But you can even compare him to like his like Jalen Green was in the Ignite, for example, you can compare their stats and stuff like that. Like, you know, I, I think they're even a little bit worse than that, but um, yeah. there's clearly talent there. Like that, that wouldn't be a bad start if you want a hard reset. Um, but then again, I would wonder, like, if you, if you wanted the hard reset, why didn't you just do it at the trade deadline? But um, my sense is they're probably not going to do that. So I don't even see a trade like that even materializing, to be honest. I think based on what Masai's comments were at the end of, the year and even at the trade deadline it just doesn't seem like this is a team both from like a a financial they're trying to make the playoffs like maple leaf sports and entertainment is trying to pursue the playoffs that aspect of things the business side of things and from trying to capitalize on this window with this core especially by giving away a first round pick a very lightly protected first round pick next year it just doesn't seem like they're gonna put a lottery pick in jeopardy next season just so they can tear down uh, so to your point, I agree with you. I yeah. I think they're they're in a position where they're looking to, you know, make the playoffs be as competitive as possible. But also, they've they've kept this very very tight window open for them to potentially maneuver and pivot to a different direction. It's just I don't see that being the direction they choose. Do you feel like what what would you say is the percentage chance that this this core gets run back? Uh, for the most part, I guess. I mean, there are probably going to be some moving parts, and you mentioned at the top that there's going to be some shifts. But mm -hmm. overall, what do you, what do you feel about this core running it back? I mean, it's not the most sexy thing, and I think that maybe thinking about the core being run back is like not um, the way to think about it. I think for them, like they're trying to build from the middle, so almost on purpose, they're actually not going to bottom out, um, mm -hmm. and they're going to try to win. And I think their argument would be that the Raptors aren't going to sign any free agents. I mean, Masai actually said that himself. Um, not not that the Raptors won't sign free agents, but the free agency is kind of dead. I think it's yeah. especially dead for Toronto just based on the history of um, what the Raptors have been able to do free agency-wise. So it's through the draft, which clearly they, you know, have been doing a decent job of that, um, you know. And then 
um, you know, through trades. And I think that if you are going to build through trades, you're going to have to have players on your roster who are tradable, who are on good contracts and who are shown to be able to produce in a winning environment. So I think that that's why they want to win is because that they want to make sure that their players look attractive so that when they make trades, which is how they're going to have to improve the roster, that will happen. Um, So building through the middle almost necessarily means that you're not building through the bottom, which means that, uh, you know, you're not seeing a situation where the Raptors bottom out. Um, I don't know if that's necessarily the winning culture that they're talking about as well. But more than anything else, like, yeah, if you're going to build through trades, like you got to make sure your your guys are on good contracts and that they look like they can contribute towards championships or at least be part of championships. Not saying that any of those guys are number one guys. We know that that's not the case, but like that's that's their strategy. Building through the middle is what they're doing. So um, for me, like it's not really about running a core back. It's just can you get guys back under good contract values um, so that, you know, A, they're tradable and B, that – you know, they they can still have surplus value that other teams could look to acquire. Like it's right. it's not, uh, it's more like they're building like a co- a collection of cars rather than they're trying to like build like a specific like fleet where everything runs efficiently and smoothly. Like they're not trying to build a championship roster with this current group. They're trying to get good pieces. Right. Yeah. I I think that's also something that what the six nine vision was supposed to be like. It's like accumulating a specific type of player that is in demand in the NBA is yeah. those three and D type guy. Well, three is kind of to be determined. But yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, what I mean, the 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 stretch stretch forward type that can potentially guard multiple positions that can do a bunch of everything for you. I think they've tried to to maximize on one specific type of player. When it comes to a Scotty, when it comes to a Pascal, uh, in different variations, you see guys like Precious and OG who can do similar things, but to different levels. Mm-hmm. What do you feel overall about the quote unquote six nine vision? Do you do you still feel like that is a, a steadfast rule, or is it more just a, an ideology? Um, I don't think it's a steadfast rule. I don't think they're that like hardcore about it, but I, I do think that. There is like the management strategy of uh, acquiring players with length and size. Uh, and then yeah. there is the coaching strategy of how to deploy that. Right. And I think that um, from a management perspective, um, it makes sense to to bring in players with more physical attributes so long as you are convinced that you can develop those guys. And I think from the, from the front office perspective, they probably look at it like th- those are the biggest success stories we've had development wise is developing sure. OG and Pascal. And those guys are Vision 6-9 players, right? So right. they feel confident they can develop that archetype of player because they've had that, uh, have done that. You can even argue Scotty is a developmental success as well. Although, to be honest, he's so young right now that I would attribute more of that to his own personal working and also his college workouts and stuff like that, rather than just like him being in the Raptors program. But at, at the same time, like they know that they can develop that style of player. Just like I think other programs are pretty confident they can develop other types of players as well. Um and I think from a coaching perspective, that's where you have to really manage, like, how do you make this work? And I, I think Nick was actually pretty enthusiastic about the idea the whole time. Um, I don't even think that it was just sort of a sell job. I think he actually really liked it. I mean, even when the first idea of it came about probably last year, maybe two years ago in the Summer League, no, last year in Summer League, where I think people were asking him at Summer League, like, hey, you know, you have a whole bunch of forwards on your team. Like, how are you going to manage it? And he, his thing was like, I think I'm going to play all five at once. And everyone kind of called him. Um, a madman for it. This is at the start of 2021, but he kind of did it successfully last year. And then this year it didn't really work out so well. Like clearly if you're going to play in that way, you need to dominate defensively. 
Um, I don't really see why you need to pressure the ball so much when you're all 6'9 and you can switch. feels like a better strategy to switch everything and then you can keep the ball in front and limit penetration, play the, make the other team play more one-on-one, blow up a lot of their off-ball actions. Um, instead, the Raptors didn't do that, which didn't really make sense. And also, like... You know, I, I think that you have to then showcase an ability to be creative offensively because not all of those guys can A, get their own shot, or B, they're not really natural like floor spacers where you can run like a typical spread pick and roll offense and really sort of, you know, get it going like that. You have to be more creative. And I think that's where uh, offensively I didn't really see a game plan. Like the, the, every single time pressures a chew of freelance is on offense, it, it, you know, it, I think the sport of basketball gets set back a decade. But like it's also <laughs> a, an example of the fact that you need better coaching um, into those positions to make that vision work. So there's a management strategy, there's a coaching strategy. I don't even mind the management strategy so much. I, I would like to see more shooters come into place. I've asked the front office a couple of times in press conferences, like, do you believe yeah. shooting is a developable skill? I've asked that to Nick, I've asked that to Bobby, I've asked that to Masai. They all seem to say yes, um, but at the same time, like, I would also like to see that backed up by some progress on the team and i would say og has really developed as a shooter um i would say pascal's developed as a shooter but probably isn't gonna be anything more than average on that front um so where where do you fall on that on yourself like you know outside of what they might think about it do you feel like shooting might be a developmental skill like it's something that can be taught or is it something that's some you know more natural that you're gifted with I, i mean i personally believe it's something that you can be taught or something that you can learn um even just based on my own experience like i didn't really play a lot of basketball and then during the pandemic i was just like i'm just gonna burn all this extra time and be outside as much as possible by just shooting and like now i'm like actually able to shoot so like i do believe to a certain extent it's it's teachable obviously that's a very different level as compared to the pros but i think that that is to me an evidence of just like you can learn this skill i don't think anyone's just born naturally with the ability to shoot that doesn't even make sense to me however what i think is different is um you can't take players who don't have developmental reps um all the way up to the point where they're like 15, 16, and then add the, all those reps afterwards where they're able to be taught. Like, I think they just have to catch up so much, right? Yeah. You think about a Steph Curry, for example. Now, he's in a very unique position because his dad was an NBA and his, uh, and his dad was a shooter. And, but, like, Steph is, like, in terms of total shots that he's probably taken in his life, is probably in the millions, if not billions. Yeah. Um, versus, like, okay, so then Pascal Siakam starts playing basketball at 17. There's just no way he can match up to the level of reps that a guy like Steph would have gone into. So I think that is more probably what you're seeing at that time is that some players are put into a developmental track even earlier on, and they definitely have more of a leg up in terms of as a shooter. But then again, you have other examples too, like MB, for example, also picked up basketball late, and clearly he can shoot, right? But I think for him, that's more of like a, well, he's he's a seven-footer. Like getting your shot off as a seven-footer, I think is probably a lot easier um, than getting your shot off as a 6'9 forward. For example. Yeah, it's funny you mentioned the the developmental stuff because you think of I, I remember when Lamelo Ball was coming out, people were like, "Oh, he's a he's a bad shooter, he's a bad shooter." But the thing is, he was shooting like he was attempting the shots, and yeah. he had been doing it since in such like I remember there are clips of him uh, when he's in grade eight and grade nine taking these half court shots in the middle of games, and people were like, "What the hell is this kid doing?" Well, actually, there is a little bit of an idea to that. It's the fact that even attempting that, even getting used to the reps of that. It goes a long way down the road. Um, you'd mentioned coaching earlier, and I think that's another huge aspect of this Raptors front office, you know, front front office, I'm sorry, this offseason um, is who's going to take helm of, of coaching next year. And I think 
you know, you mentioned the the idea of them going a little bit more traditional with shooting and the pick and roll spread pick and roll stuff that they did, especially towards the end of the season with Fred Van Vliet and Jakob Pertl. I think we saw a little bit of a shift in what the Raptors were trying to do, but now Nurse is is not the guy that's going to be at the helm of that. Do you have any preference as to who, you know, there's been a lot of names that have been mentioned, Becky Hammond, Adrian Griffin, ton, tons of other people that have been mentioned. Yep. Um, it, or do you have any preference in terms of who would be the head coach? Do you, do you see anybody that could make this team make more sense on the court? Uh, I, my personal feeling with this is just like, you don't even get to see 95% of coaching. Like, I agree. Um, yeah. You get to see some tactics. You get to see that implemented by your players. I mean, that's even that's hard to say just because you need execution. But then again, as a coach, you decide who you're going to play. You decide the minutes. Uh, you decide lineups. Those are yep. things that you can see, right? But I think the rest of the iceberg that you really don't see are like the player personal relationships that people build, um, the way they're able to speak to front office and, and, and sort of communicate and work collectively there, how they manage their staff, uh, how they organize their time, how they schedule practices, you know, what kind of person they are behind the scenes, um, how they interact with um, ownership. I mean, I guess it's, I suppose you get to see the media aspect too. So that's part of the, the iceberg that is above the water. But yeah, like there's just so much that goes into it. And I think that that's even four head coaches who have been in this position in the first place. Most coaches, especially with the Raptors, like you've seen the Raptors interview a ton of assistant coaches, for example. How would you have any, you or I have any idea who these assistant coaches are, what their philosophies yeah. are. You have to really trust management to not just make the right decision, but like, be able to go through this process in a thorough way. So I do trust them on that front. Like, you know, like I don't think that um, there's specific reason to doubt that. Um, but yeah, I mean, in terms of preferences from the outside, if I had to say, like, I, I really admire what Miami has been doing. I think everyone has admired them based on what they've done in the playoffs here. Um, so if you can get a piece of that, um, that would be great. Uh, if you could take Chris Quinn, who's been a longtime assistant under Eric Spolstra, obviously had played in the league as well. Um, that sounds to me like a good idea. Um, yeah. You know, I also wonder, like, if, if MLS's pockets are really deep, and this sounds like a little bit crazy, but why not try to throw, like, I don't know, $15 million at Spo, Like, double right. his salary. You know, like, you know what I mean? Like, why not? Yeah. I mean, he probably wouldn't say yes, or probably I think Miami will just match it. I, I think he's pretty set there. He's worked there his whole life. But that would be something I'd be trying to do. And I think that the Raptors right. are clearly going to be look um, – more out of the box and stuff like that. I think for us, we definitely focus a lot more on tactics. On that front, I'm, I'm always very impressed by um, Sergio Scarrello's teams every time I watch them play internationally. I understand the game is different in Europe than it is in, in, in just the NBA itself. But at the same time, I think Sergio um, has proven over a very, very long time that he can really, really get his teams to achieve good results. Um, and yeah, I know he's been in the Raptors organization. I think he's worked well here. So not a surprise that they made the trip to fly over to see him because yeah, he, he would be a good candidate in my books, but to be honest, it's, it's very hard to really understand like what goes into coaching. So um, yeah, it's hard to say I, I, to me, I, I just would like to hire a coach that hasn't already been a head coach at the NBA level yet, just to have the chance to get someone who can really be a great coach. Um, all these guys that like have been hired or have been fired before, like, I don't know. There's a reason you got fired. Right. So I'm not right. saying that those guys are bad coaches. Like no one could really say with a straight face that Nick nurse is a bad coach or that Mike Boonholzer is a bad coach or that like Monty Williams is a bad coach or that doc rivers is even a bad coach. But like those guys like were fired for a reason. I'd rather try to find maybe that 
next person that can really carry the franchise for a long time rather than just going with someone who has a track record of success in the past but also has a track record of failure. Yeah, find that Eric Spolstra, if you will. Like, find a video in yeah, exactly. from, sure. you know what I mean? Find that guy and craft him. I, I agree with you that with coaching, we we kind of – so so this is my thing with, with fandom in general is, like, we always end up blaming a few things. It's like, oh, it's a make-or-miss league, it's coaching, and then it's officiating. Every time a team loses in the playoffs or in the play-in, you always – it always seems to go to those three. It's not any other factor. It's going to be, hey – the the coaching the scheme didn't work well he didn't play his guys properly there wasn't enough minutes being allocated or oh the officiating was off look at the amount of fouls oh we missed the amount of shots look at the three point shooting look at the variance right and i agree i i think so but those are always such surface level things to go ahead and blame and i, I don't blame people for doing that it is part of the game those things are important but with coaching it's the easiest scapegoat. I'm not saying that Nurse was blameless. Uh, I'm, I'm not saying that, you know, he, he clearly did have his faults as a coach as well. Um, but when it comes to the way that people talk about coaching, we often don't see, like you mentioned, 95% of it. Because we really don't know the interpersonal stuff, the relationship stuff, the way people interact with each other. That's a huge part of this entire thing. Um, so I, I agree. And, and when it comes to what happens next with the Raptors coach, we'll see. I think the goal is to end up becoming a consistent playoff team being able to get to that point consistently and being a, a you know a, a a content not contender but like at least a playoff contender every single year that's the goal um so we'll see what happens ladies and gentlemen it is playoff time though get in the game and make your next bet with sports interaction bet before the game or live in play on all your favorite teams matchups head to sportsinteraction.com slash sdpn or download the app to get started 19 plus please play responsibly okay so look well uh we we've talked raptors a little bit we have kind of mentioned some of the things that we've we've wanted to talk about in general but um i guess there still are a couple of questions left to be dealt with when it comes to this raptors offseason especially the free agent stuff that's happening uh between fred gary and Jakob, and then the contract extensions mm-hmm. um if you had to guess i guess we can go one by one if you want to um, sure. If you had to guess which piece stays and which piece ends up not being on the team next year, um, you know, which one would go? We'll start with Fred, because I feel like Fred is a guy who has been very, very polarizing this season uh, for, for some people. And, you know, the fan base has, has been harsh on him, I would say, with, with, you know, what he's been for this franchise in general compared to what he was this season. Do you feel like he is a guy who ends up staying on the roster next season or no? Uh. I mean, I'm not one of those guys that just wants to get him to go no matter what. Like, I actually just want to see, again, like, if he goes, what is the talent upgrade or what's even the replacement? Like, I think that the Raptors clearly need um, production from guards. Like, you know, I think evidence of that is you could look at Fred's, like, plus minus. Like, his literal, his plus minus is the highest on the team. Yeah. And it's because, not necessarily because Fred had a successful season, because I think he's really underplayed, or he did not, I think he struggled for long stretches of it, let's be honest. Um, But I think the reason his plus minus is so important is because guard play is important. So if you are just going to kick him out the door, like, who are you replacing him with? The Raptors aren't going to have cast space if you let him go. So I would say it's either he gets signed and traded or he gets retained. And if he does get retained, can you keep him at a deal that is like, at a amenable number where it's not something wild that uh, you can't move down the line. Like I actually wouldn't mind, you know, a two year deal with a player option at the end and then you can trade them. 
like after this uh, as soon as this season upcoming season or maybe even next season but like I don't want to just see talent leave out the door. Like at minimum, it has to be a sign of trade. If he just leaves to another franchise as a straight up uh, signing, I would be very, very upset at the front office, not because of yeah. Fred leaving, but because you have now really allowed a player who let's, yeah, he underperformed this year, but he's still a very valuable player that you just let him leave for nothing. So, yeah. And yeah. you had the opportunity to potentially move him at the deadline. Also, it's it's sort of a yeah. I mean, it sounded like the, there were really no deals for Fred though. That that sounded yeah, tough. Yeah. Which no, to I... me, I was like, okay, well then you really got to really think about okay, if you're going to re-sign him, then um, how much are you going to be able to trade him in the future? Mm-hmm. But at the same time, you also have to consider like how many teams were really trying to make win now moves and how many teams needed point guards at that time. Yeah. Um, so maybe that's not indicative of the entire market, but at the same time, like, yeah, I, you have to be very careful with Fred. Also, I mean, he's had a lot of injuries here or there uh, for a smaller guard um, that they don't concern me because I don't think any of them have really required surgery. But at the same time, like, I am weary of it. Like, I don't know how well his game ages. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, yeah, if, if the Raptors resign him, please keep it to a shorter term deal that is yeah. tradable. I think the the only pushback, if I'm like speaking from Fred's perspective, I guess the only pushback would be like, hey, yeah, I have had injuries. I've sustained injuries and I don't know how much more guaranteed money is out there for me. Sure. So I would like as long term of a contract as possible. So it's like, hey, give me the the four year, the five year deal versus going with, you know, some people have mentioned Kyle Lowry's contract, which is like three years, 30 million with the. Oh, that, that, that that's you know, really that. smart to mention that because that's pretty much Fred's like mentor. His whole career is yeah. is Kyle. Like he I wouldn't even say he like stole Kyle's personality, but it's like he adopted <laughs> many traits of Kyle. And that's sort of the barometer he's going to match himself up with. Yeah. So Kyle around this age or around this time was getting three or $30 million deals. So I think Fred is very much going to use that as a benchmark. That's not even just like a casual observance. That's I think actually how he operates. Yeah, I, I think so too. I, and I think there is, you know, despite all the noise that's happened around Fred this season, I think there is from both sides, there's a level of, they want to run this back. They want him, him back. I think he's an important part of the future for them in terms of building out whatever culture, you know, quote unquote, that they want to reset. Um, okay. So, for, so Fred is done. We'll, we'll go with the other free agent. Uh, Yaka Pertle. I would say more than anything before you jump in, I would say it's like a hundred percent that they end yeah. up resigning Yaka yeah. because of the, the 2024 pick. Would you agree with that? Uh, yeah. This sounds like when the Raptors traded for Gary Trent, um, Mm-hmm. When they were in Tampa, now that was a slightly different situation, mostly because he was restricted. But like, you pretty much already agree to a number beforehand. Before you even trade yeah. for him, you essentially say like, "Okay, you're an upcoming free agent. If we pay you this, are you going to resign?" You work that number out, and then you do the deal. So yeah. something would have really broken down if he doesn't get resigned for essentially yeah. what they've already prearranged for, which sounds like I don't know, eighteen to twenty million, which sounds pretty fair for what Yak does. Yeah, I agree. Um, okay, that that that's the simple one. Gary, I feel like is the one that people are very, very on and off about, not mm-hmm. sure about. Where do you sit on Gary? Where do you sit on them potentially re-signing him? I I look at Gary as a guy who has more potential to go. Like I think there's just more development that could take place there. Um, I think a new head coach probably helps Gary uh, more than anything else. I just, I mean, you know, like. I would say Nick was not a big fan, but Nick benched him twice. Um, Maybe even the front office isn't the biggest fan of him either. But at the same time, I I do think that there's more untapped potential with Gary. I don't really see why he couldn't go from being mostly a standstill shooter who could play a little one-on-one to being more of a movement shooter. I think that Mm -hmm. will change with a new head coach. Um, I also think that, you know, like 
for him, like, he has a good skill set. Even the one-on-one game, like, he actually can get to his shot a lot of the times. Um, and on a team that is in need of guard play, like, I think that, you know, it would make sense to keep him. However, I think more than anything else, he needs to decide, like, who is who, who he's going to be in the league. Like, is he going to take pride on his in his defense? We've seen it at times. We saw it in uh, the bubble when he was playing for Portland. Like, that was actually his reputation was being a stopper. Now, I think being a stopper was relative because he was better than CJ McCollum and Dame Miller at it. So that's not a stopper in my books. But at the same time, like, you know, we've seen it at times in Toronto where he can be really disruptive. But we have also seen it in the playoffs where, like, you know, against the – Against the Houston, against um, the Sixers, it was James Harden playing ISO against Gary Trent Jr. and mismatch hunting him specifically that really led to uh, their landslide win in Game Six uh, to mm-hmm. close out the Raptors. And also in the playing game, it was the same deal. Like as soon as Gary came to the game, they bully him defensively. I think he needs to decide to to take that side of the floor more seriously. And if you can convince him of those two things, I wouldn't mind him staying. If he's is is he had to have a conversation with them. If he's more like firmly set on trying to be the type of player he is right now um then i'm kind of like take it or leave it you right. know but i, I yeah. personally believe that there's actually more talent um to be to be reached in gary's game so i, I wouldn't mind i probably prefer if he just picked up his player option um because i actually don't see what the specific market is for gary like you don't really see yeah. a lot of teams like linked to like hey, Gary's going to get this or that. Like, you see that more with Fred. You see, like, Orlando pops up or, like, Phoenix gets tangentially mentioned. You don't see anything for Gary. So I actually wouldn't mind if he just picked up his player option. I think, actually, for what he does, his option, I think, is, like, 19 next year. That's fairly – that's pretty fair. It, it's about value, yeah. It, yeah. I mean, like, it's it's right on what the market would dictate for what Gary Trent Jr. would make next season if he were to sign somewhere else. Sure. Um so yeah, exactly. I, so if you're Gary, then if you could sign for, if you can lock yourself in at 19 for like the next three years, or you can yeah. come back to Toronto, play even better, and get yourself into a free agency situation where you can get an even bigger deal, I'd rather take that chance to take the player option rather than just locking myself in at that firm number. Yeah, I agree. Potentially more money coming in next year too, or the year after that with the TV deal being expiring. Like, I mean, sure. there's there's more money out there for everybody if if you hold on. And I, that kind of plays into the next part of this, which is Pascal and OG. They're both eligible for contract extensions this summer. Uh, there's, you know, a level, I think from both sides, at least from what they said in their exit interviews, that there's a level that they want to run it back. They want to stay here. Um, where do I mean, you what are they going to say though? Yeah, I, I, I guess. It's They're not going to be like, like, yeah, I'm <laughs> dipping. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. What are your thoughts on them potentially extending Pascal and OG? And I guess the, the question would be like, what is the percentage chance they end up re-signing any of those guys? Knowing what we just talked about with Gary, with the fact that there's more money out there next year if they just wait it out. Um, I mean, I think with Pascal, if you if you offered him the the four year max, which is probably what his side is going to look for, yeah. I don't even think there's even much of a room for conversation. Like, I think he is at that level; he deserves that contract. And if the Raptors choose to offer it, which I'm sure they'll come in like a little bit lower, try to be a little cute, but whatever. Like, the, you know, there's not negotiation there for a player of that level. You're going to pay him the max. That's kind of it. Uh, I think with OG, it's more, I don't know. I mean, I, I feel like the new CBA came in and like it, it raised the percentage, you know, that you can get it to like 140% of the original contract. And so you could pay him like $30 million. To me, it's like, like OG sim- strikes me as similar to o- uh, Gary in that sense. Not in the in the way they play. Um, but it's also like, what type of player do you want to be? Like, are are, are you are you genuinely trying to be more offensively and more featured offensively? Because to me, like, mm-hmm. I, 
I don't believe in that upside offensively. You don't, I, I, you don't see that, yeah. No, yeah. and and that's from just watching him dribble. I mean, I remember watching him warm up one day. Typically, he doesn't do a two-ball drill, but I think ESPN was in town, so he started doing a more elaborate warm-up. I'm not saying that that's why he was doing it, but it did coincide. And so there were pregame cameras out there, and he was doing a two-ball drill where he's just sort of dribbling with both hands, um, the two two balls with, with each hand. And, um, you know, when he started the drill, you're supposed to stay low on that drill. Um, yeah. But it just started getting higher and higher to the point where the ball was starting to bounce at head level. And I was just like, this is not something you should do in public. You should work on that privately. Um, I just don't trust <laughs> the offensive creation from OG. Um, if, if you're telling me that in three, four years, he can really get more polished, sure. But I see him as a player that you can stop offensively. And I just don't really see that. Like e- Even Pascal, who I don't even think is like that refined offensively compared to sort of maybe compared to other stars who average similar stats. Mm-hmm. But Pascal has sp- specific advantages he can go to. Like he has really good footwork. He's got good balance. He has quickness. He has length. Yes. He has good touch. You can shoot with either hand. Like At times those- his ball handling has been nice too. His ball handling has consistently shown improvement, um, and he's definitely much more. Like, I, if I saw Pascal do a two-ball drill, that ball is tight. But mm-hmm. um, with OG, like, I, I think it's I, – I don't see that for him. I see him his future in this league as what Aaron Gordon is doing with the Nuggets, but with a three-ball, which is an amazing player. Um, yeah. But if you can have the opportunity to trade him for three first-round picks, which is sort of what's been rumored out there, and that sounds like – what probably will still be out there even this summer. Like I would really seriously explore that. And that's knowing that he is a really great defender and I really respect what he does on that front. But right. I think again, like you have to have a conversation with him in terms of what his, you know, what his future is or what he sort of sees himself in this league. Like if he thinks that he is like that star level player that can really do it all both offensively and defensively, then, you know, I, I would, I would leave another team to sort of run that, chance to be honest but i know that that's not like the consensus opinion on og i just after years of watching that like i'm cool with him catching corner threes i'm cool with him finishing a couple plays i'm even cool with him featured occasionally just to sort of like throw him a bone just based on how much he work he does on the defense but yeah 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 i think uh, to your point i think there's also a, a conversation to be had about figuring out the smaller ways to maximize og in the ways that he wants to like i i don't think giving him an isolation possession above the break uh spread out just let him cook is the way to go and that that happens sometimes especially when pascal was out earlier in the year where they just kind of gave him free reign to figure it out i think there are ways to design things and this this goes back to coaching but design things to get him easier looks in these opportunities but you you don't have to say that for other stars you really don't. don't you don't no you don't Absolutely. and that's not to I say agree. people don't have pet plays for stars of course they do but you don't talk about that like we're talking about like maybe for certain stars you want to put them in certain positions so that they're more efficient with og it's like we got to put them in certain spots so that he can get a shot off that's a, right that's a huge difference yeah i agree i agree i think there's uh there, at least from like a conversational standpoint i think he has to go through that process of realizing what kind of player he is and maybe it is going out there and figuring testing it out like being on another team and seeing that you know when you get 10 isolation possessions in a row and shoot 10% like that you will start to realize that you're not that type of player uh but i think some people have to go through that hurdle themselves like this is no that's fair this is uh i i a completely different situation but i think andrew wiggins is a situation where in minnesota he had free reign to do whatever he wanted and he had to realize that okay maybe that's not the type of player i can be to be completely successful in this league 
goes to Golden State, he gets assimilated to being in a different role, and now he can thrive as this, you know, ultra 3 and D type of player. OG has to go through a similar process, in my opinion, of he has to realize that, like, I'm not this type of player, or maybe I am. Maybe he goes and he figures it out and unlocks something that we never knew he had. But I feel like he still has to go through that process, you know? Yeah, and and I mean, having said that, like, Wiggins is much more skilled offensively than OG. Absolutely, um, yeah. yeah. It's, it, it's like OG wishes that he was at that level offensively because that's, you know, having that type of requisite skill is just makes you at a base level, it makes it so much easier for you to operate offensively. Just do the, the, the regular things that you see on a basketball court more commonly. Um, so we'll see what happens. It, it's it's going to be interesting, man. I think, you know, based on what you're saying, the domino that might fall core wise is OG. The guy that they might consider in terms of moving seems to be that guy. But do you feel that way? Do you sense that being the case? Um that's that's how I would personally feel, but I mean, okay. I, I think for me, like, I I watch a roster that gets kind of starved for offensive creation, and yeah. I'm looking to see which players have a lot of value. In this case, like OG's value is second most on the t- well, actually, I suppose Scotty's up there too, so um, third most on the team. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I mean, like, if there's something the Raptors have to replace is six nine forwards. Probably not with OG skill set. He's much better shooter than pretty much everyone on the team except for Gary and 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 Fred. Um, so, but yeah, like that's the decision I would make based on who can get you the most back in a, in a trade. I'm, again, I'm not trading anyone just to get rid of them. Yeah. I'm yeah. looking at the value plays. Um, but yeah, in terms of how the front office is going to play, I'm not really sure. Like, I actually think that they're again, it doesn't really sound like they want to rebuild. I think they want to mm-hmm. add more to this group. So if you're going to add more to this group, you need to add more guard depth. I think a third guard would unlock a lot of things for this team. I've said that for two years now. You look at the Celtics, for example, like, yes, they have Tatum and Brown, which is more talented than the core two for the Raptors. Um, there's no denying that. But what they've done successfully is add Al Horford to the group. It's cost them a first-round pick, but Al Horford's very vital to what they do. They've added Malcolm Brogdon to the group, which I think has been a really, really good addition for them offensively. Defensively, he gets picked on a little bit, but he's he's honestly solid on that front. Um, they've added Derek White to that group, right? They've used their draft picks and added a couple of pieces who can play in a, in a playoff setting, right? You have, for example, Grant Williams. Well, that's more so last year. This year, he's not playing as much, but like Grant Williams was a lower first-round pick, but they were able to put him in a role. He was able to succeed in that role. You slowly add depth because, like, you know, a team like the Celtics, they weren't, like, dominant or anything like that. They have better core talent than probably what the Raptors have, right? Not probably, definitely. But they are able to add supporting pieces and make the team deeper. Like, the Raptors haven't really been doing that. I mean, Pirtle, I think, is the first step towards that. But, you know, if that's the direction they want to go, they need to add more pieces. Third guard is clearly something that they need. Um, yeah. in their rotation with or without Gary or, or Fred coming back. I think that's something that has to be a draft uh, addressed at the draft level too, just because you want long-term control of whatever guard that you get potentially, especially with yeah. Fred and Gary potentially being out. Like you, you want to be able to have a guard who can potentially replace that. That's, that's the ultimate goal here. Um, you mentioned the Celtics. I think this is a good part to kind of segue into the playoff talk. The, the playoffs in my opinion have been awesome. I don't know about you. I feel like it's been, uh, some of the best playoffs that I've watched in a minute. Um, how do you feel overall about the playoffs? What are your general thoughts? And and then when it comes to the Western Conference and the Eastern Conference, how do you feel that shaking out, man? Um, I mean, yeah, obviously the playoffs have been amazing. I think uh, it's been really entertaining. I, the one thing I actually don't fully like, and I think sometimes I, I'm, 
uh, I, I'm including myself in this too. If so I'm really diagnosing that I don't like this, it's just like anytime anyone loses, like it's just a chance to make fun of them. Like it just feels yeah. a little strange. Like, yes, let's make fun of the Sixers because this is happens in the repeatedly with a cast of characters that are probably unlikable to the general fan. <laughs> but like, are we going to make fun of Tatum for not having a point or not having a field goal made in like, um, game one and be like Tatum's not clutch well, it's like right. yo we literally just saw game six and game seven <laughs> so I don't know for me I'm just like okay maybe the basketball conversation isn't the greatest at sometimes but no I mean the play itself is excellent I think for me Boston is still the most talented team left in the playoffs but they probably have real cohesion issues or like they're just not really able to access uh, a higher level of themselves on a consistent basis if you want to yeah. chalk it up to coaching which i think this is probably is a case of coaching uh, i don't think that that would be too surprising but at the same time i, I do believe in their talent uh miami has been an excellent team just to follow i think i really admire their organizational structure more than anything else the way they're able to coach obviously kyle uh, um, is a great player to root for uh, he's still doing the same stuff man he's still, he's still doing the same stuff yeah, not to the no, same level, not to the same level, but he's still but, doing the same stuff. Yeah, which is which is great to see, right? I think it's it's really impressive. Like I, I think you see older guards all the time. Uh, I remember even when we had Kyle back in like 2016, 2017, I was thinking about like when he was in free agency. I was like, man, how long are these like age 30 plus guards gonna last? Like it's just yeah. the history of it is not great. And then Kyle's out here like being older than Al Horford and looking great in a lot of games. And I'm like, yeah. Al Horford is like my bench standard of like just an old person. Um, period. So <laughs> Yeah, like, it, you know, the, the Heat have been really great. Jimmy obviously has been really great. Um, I, I mean, I don't know. I, I think that uh, what you're really seeing right now is not just a lot of talent on display, but a lot of organizations who have everything sort of, like, um, aligned, right? Like, I look at right. Denver. It's the same same thing as Miami. Maybe it's just not, like, in your face about it, not, like, as rah-rah, not as, like, a, wow, look at the 8th seed going this far. Uh, but they're very similar in terms of they have really good alignment from top down in terms of how they built the roster as well. So... Yeah, I mean, I, I think I, I like Boston to win it all still, but that's only based on talent. Based on the actual coaching and the on, encore product, they look very inconsistent. Yeah. Do you think in the West it's going to be Denver then? So it'll be Boston-Denver finals? Is that, where you're, is that what you're thinking? I had that as a complete toss-up, but I ultimately went with Nuggets in seven. Okay. Okay. Yeah. I got but you. I, I, I like I, it. I yeah. Like it. Yeah. yeah. It's great to see I, a, a team like score 130 and Jokic as, as a center pushing the break play after play after play. Like, you maybe see that from, like, slimmer guys like Bam Adebayo or even when the Raptors played centerless. So it was like Pascal will be the center and he's pushing the break or Scotty's the center and he's pushing the break. But that's more like, a okay, he's a wing and they're playing small. Jokic is, like, just, like, chubby dude who's genuinely pushing the break, like, nonstop. And it's very impressive um, in addition to I don't to know how he doesn't get doing. tired because, like, he seems like he should be exhausted every time, but then he'll go yeah. 40 minutes and no problem. Like, it's, sure. it's nothing. Yeah. Um, I, it's funny you brought up Jokic because I think some of the things that he does, and not to say that Scotty can be Jokic. I'm not saying this just to jump in front of it before I jump into this. Okay, yeah, because I was going to jump on Jokic. you for that. I don't. Yeah, I don't yeah, see yeah. It. I'm not. I'm not saying that. But I think some of the standstill playmaking, I, I, maybe not Jokic actually. I think Gasol is probably a better uh, relation here, where it's like he can be at the above the break. Guys are cutting. The, there's split actions that are happening on opposite sides, and then you can find a shooter. He can find a cutter. Like those are the type of things that Scotty can do. That also these other guys, these other bigger guys in a Gasol and Jokic have done. Do you think that's something that is true, false? What do you feel on that front? I this think first random. Form, I, I just thought of yeah, it randomly, sure. by the way. So yeah. No, I, I think for I mean, yeah, it, it's 
it's possible, but I think first and foremost, one of the advantages when you have a, a center who spaces you out is that you're purposely running it through your center so that you can pull the biggest defender out of the paint. And so there's more opportunities to cut. So if Scotty's getting guarded by a wing, but other guys are cutting around him, there's not that same advantage, right? So you're, uh, spacing wise, it, it may not hit in the same way. I also think in, in a different way, like, Sure, I, I would definitely like to see more movement in the Raptors' offense. I would like to see um, more actions out of the post. I mean, the Raptors already run a ton out of the post, but they run it more to score, like in Pascal's case or even OG's case. But like yeah. Yakaperto can do a lot of the things that you're describing there. In fact, they have a couple of plays that they're they're running for Yak to get those backdoor lobs to OG. Um, so I can see Scotty running in, on those senses as well. But I think more than anything else, like if you're going to put the ball in someone's hands, that man has to create advantages constantly. And I think that more than anything else, I want to see Scotty create more advantages in terms of as a scoring threat so that he can draw a second defender. Um, yeah. Having him in a standstill position in the post where it's easier to double team doesn't necessarily seem like the best way to always get him open. I mean, obviously, or get him into a position to score. Um, yeah, there's just a couple of issues that I, I don't really like with this comparison. But at the same time, I, I don't mind just like more movement shooting on the team it, in general. It definitely isn't. It definitely isn't a clean comparison. That that that's not what I'm saying at all. No, I, sure, I for sure. But it's like the same stuff that people would be like, oh yeah, you know, you can put him in a Draymond style role, or you can do like what Ben Simmons kind of did, and like. I think those are fine to a certain degree, but those those roles always succeed with movement shooting. And the Raptors don't have that. Like, not that yeah. they don't even have that. They don't even they don't purposely run that. So maybe they need to improve that on in the first place. Um, but I also want to see the ball in the in, in the plans of a player that like, consistently creates advantages. So I actually want to see Scotty like look to score more often than I want to see him look to create for others. Even though that right now that seems to be a better skill for him is the playmaking. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I want to see him create more advantages and score for himself. Um, and then naturally the ball is going to flow more towards his hands. Maybe that's just me being in too many Nick Nurse press conferences, honestly, because that's always what he would say. <laughs> but I kind of did agree with him on that front. It's always uh, Nick Nurse uh, press conferences, man. They always start out with one thing. Yeah, you know, Doug. Yeah, you know, it, it, yeah, it's well, always the first. Yeah, well, we'll see. Uh, okay, anyways. Um, Nick might have gaslighted me. I don't even know, man. At this point, I'm like, <laughs> I'm, I'm questioning what I really know to be true. Damn it. Damn it, Nick. <laughs> yeah. I know, I know, yeah. Uh, it's it's Nickception. All right, look, uh, we'll we'll do some lightning round stuff. This is just quick questions, gotcha. quick answers. I would like quick answers if you can. Just just first thing that comes to mind for these things. They're right. fun questions. They're just kind of like whatever comes to your mind, throw it out there. Okay. Okay. Um, okay, producer, if you can afterwards throw a little quick, I don't know, game sign music behind this, whatever. Okay. The the number one pick this year or any player in the NBA on their current contract the number one pick this year okay all right like yeah um, any player damn but honestly yeah yeah yeah, yeah i believe Giannis it wouldn't is, be like that okay i i respect it i respect it uh favorite food spot in toronto bro how are you gonna ask me this in a lightning round man this is too I tough know, so, i know i'm sorry man yeah first thing that comes to mind uh i'm gonna toss i'm gonna you know what i'm gonna i'm gonna say super fresh man just shout out to my friend trevor that's all Okay, respect. Uh, what is your Hooper comp? Like, what is what is your comparison when you're Hooper? George's Niang. <laughs> that one is easy. That one's super easy. I don't do anything other than jack up threes, um, and I play kind of lazy defense. Like, I think it's <laughs> okay. actually a really good comp. I got you. All right, fate of the world. Uh, the dooms, the beam is pointing down at, at, at Earth, okay? It's either you or Alex to hit an above the break three. Who are you? Thinking? Oh, me. me. That's not even close, man. Me. I literally <laughs> disrespected this man at the run this week, 
I sacked off him like four times for wide open threes in a run, and he bricked all four. So like, yeah, I saw him me. hit one though. I saw him hit. I, I don't know if it was this run, but it was like a run a couple of months ago. He hit a three. He was like posting it on Instagram. Whatever. Anyway, yeah, he shoots like MKG, man. <laughs> uh, favorite uh, career moment so far? Just any career moment? Yeah, just like covering the finals. I think that was that was really cool being there for Game Six. Because yeah. um, it's kind of a free for all. You don't really understand. Like everyone is trying to leave the arena as like a typical end of the game kind of thing, but then there's like a whole throng of media trying to like rush the court, and right. just being in that crush of people trying to rush the court was kind of wild. Also, by the way, I made it onto the court with just my NBA credential, which was fine. And Masai didn't. And Masai didn't. So no one, no one, no one racially profiled me. So uh, yeah, I don't Crazy. really buy what the the Alameda police was saying over there. But um, yeah, Absolutely obviously we know wild. what happened there. Yeah. Um, one thing you can't live without. Um, you know, weirdly enough, poker chips. I, I love shuffling poker chips, and I take it on my, all my vacations. So I, I feel are like you, that's actually true. Yeah. Are you a fidgeter? Like, are you playing with the poker chips? Are you? Actually yeah, I think out? I am a fidgeter. I don't have it yeah, around so right I'm now because it's just too loud. But yeah, I'm like constantly shuffling chips. Anybody who's been in my life knows that. I, I, <laughs> I even do it in the office, which is just a faux pas. But you know, whatever. <laughs> All right, cool. Um, favorite interview you've done? You've, you've done some some great interviews. Favorite one? Favorite interview? Um. Yeah, honestly, that's hard to pick. Honestly. Bobby, are we doing? You know, yeah, there's, Bobby, there's some other one. Yeah, yeah, Nick. Yeah. Honestly, I, I really Gary, Gary I, Trent I re- Senior. I don't know. Listen, yeah, like, oh, Gary Trent Senior is a great interview, but it's different. Gary's different because you don't even ask the questions you have prepared. Right. You you just get bombarded. So he just takes over. I'm gonna say honestly, I gotta say Fred is a great interview, man. I know this is like always the the thing it was like, oh, the media loves to defend Fred because he's a great interview. There might be some truth in that. That man's a good interview, man. <laughs> he is. He gives great answers, though. Like, I mean, every that's time... the guy that we have to work with all the time. So I actually yeah, don't mind interviewing yeah. Fred at all. So he always gives great answers too. Okay. Um, uh, favorite non-Raptor season ever. So any team you've enjoyed watching at any point in time that wasn't the Raptors. Any season. Favorite? Um, uh, probably like the. I don't know, man. The, the Phoenix Suns under Steve Nash, seven Ryan seconds Gunn. or less. Probably the first. Yeah, yeah, probably the first season. I think. Um, okay. Or even the second season like that... when Amari got hurt, and then it was like Boris Diaw running it. Like I love that year, man. That that kind of got me into basketball. So. Yeah, I feel like that would be the answer for a lot of Canadians. Like that. That. Oh yeah, yeah. Canadians, man. That put so much on the map for us because that was also when I started really taking basketball seriously. It's like, oh mm-hmm. man, this this Canadian guy, point guard, white dudes, just like dribbling around, cooking everybody and being MVP. That's crazy. You gotta tap into it. Um, yeah. You okay. had to be there. You really had to be there on Absolutely. the score watching <laughs> Steve Nash at like 10 p.m. Yeah. 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 yeah exactly. Uh, any TV shows you're watching right now? Uh, I, I'm binge watching Succession, so I can understand the memes. Um, nice. I, I'm like two okay. episodes away from catching up to like the most. Is recent that one. is that from a demand from Alex to get you to be on the same track? As no, I mean yes, Alex? he did. He did ask many times, but I, I think more than anything else, I just wanted to see what the hype was about, and it, it was pretty yeah. fun. I think season one is still my favorite, but uh, it's uh, it, it's fine. I, I think I wouldn't say it's my favorite TV show or anything, but you know, okay. it's Are it's you like up? I'm I'm on episode six right now of season four, so I'm almost okay. there. Really, yeah. Okay, I got you. Yeah. Uh, is is Scotty an all star next season? Yes or no? Next season, I don't think so. Okay, uh, there's a lot of all star. Tr- there's only twelve all stars in a conference, th- man. There is, there is. They should increase that. By the way, I agree with you. They should. They, okay, give me, give me thirteen or fourteen. Um, 
Trade Pascal or keep? Honestly, it depends on the package. Well, anything else? Um, okay. But I do uh, think that enough. he is an extension eligible player who's willing to sign an extension in Toronto. That's not nothing to me, man. It's not rare. You're right. It's not. It's, sorry, it is rare. Um, Liverpool or the Raptors? I. It's clearly the Raptors, but I mean Liverpool is, is is very cool. I mean, but I've never really like had the physical attachment to that team. That's just more like yeah, yeah. me enjoying watching them from afar. Have you? Uh, I don't know if you have, but have you ever been to a game? No, no, I've, uh, I would love to, that's like a bucket list item for me, but yeah. Um, cause you know, like how people want to like watch all the baseball games, like in the different arenas, like yeah, I want to yeah, go to yeah. Petco park and I want to go to, you know, Wrigley <laughs> field or whatever. I'm like, I don't care, man. I, I would love to go to all the soccer stadiums though. Like in the yeah, EPL, man. for example, yeah. yeah. Well, at least the I, major uh, ones. I, man, the, the, I mean, bro, like just, so I, I, I think we've talked to you about this before, but I lived in Liverpool for two years and I left right before oh, they won. Right before they won the EPL, I, I left. And I think it was the year they won champ- Champions League too, right? Because the crowd yeah, yeah. was freaking insane. Um, yeah, what were you sucks. doing at Liverpool, I, man? I was uh, trying to be a lawyer. I was doing law school for two years. And then oh, wow. you know, things happened. Life happened. And then I, I ended up coming back. So, yeah. All right. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Damn. yeah. That's that's awesome. Did you go, bro, so, I, did you go to Anfield? Like. It was ridiculously expensive. So you had to like, yeah, it, yeah of it, course it was, it, it was too much for a college student, bro. Like I was living off like freaking ramen noodles and <laughs> subway sandwiches. I couldn't, there's no way I would have been able yeah, yeah. to cough up 200, 300 pounds to be able to go to a, a Liverpool game, man. That's it fair. was, it was, it was insane. But, uh, the atmosphere, everything you're, you're hoping for from what I've seen and from what people have told me, it's. Yeah, it's everything you you imagine, you know? So, mm-hmm. hey, if you ever get a chance to go, let me know. I'll give you some good food recommendations. I was going to say, man, how was the rest of the city itself? Because it is kind of a historic city, too. Yeah. Uh, I mean, like, if you're into music, they obviously have the the Beatles stuff that's around there in Liverpool. Yeah. Um, there's a lot of great, you know, food spots as, as well there. Uh, if you if you like, you know, British food, like they have the fish and chips. I don't know if you're into that. No, if you like British food, bro, what are you talking about, <laughs> yeah. man? Get out of here. Dog. I don't know. Like, I, don't tell me about the food in Liverpool, man. Listen, That's yeah. It, really? Yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. And, well, right. well, I know, you know, I know, you know, the Scouse accent, right? Yeah, you know, yeah, you know, yeah. Yeah. That's that's yeah. also one of the greatest parts imagine trying to teach uh or learn law with people trying to teach it to you in a scouse accent it's it's uh it's not not the greatest liverpool was it, it got dark at 2 p.m every day which is oh, just wait that should be the number one item you mentioned man <laughs> yeah, that sucks. sounds horrible <laughs> I'm, right. I'm not gonna recommend it for anybody to live there but if you want to go watch a, a footy game i'm not complaining got go you ahead, enjoy yourself. got you got yeah, you all right, yeah. all right noted get, get in get out that's what i would say with liverpool get in get out man okay all right first this guy said get eat the fish and chips i mean like what the hell no nah, i mean no nah, don't try the fish and chips that's all right listen nah, there's, there's much better ass, food man. i agree i agree yeah. i agree uh there's way better like uh asian and indian food out there in the uk than freaking fish and chips like just avoid oh yeah, yeah there's so many uh, other absolutely options. yeah well, appreciate you, man. Thank you very much for topping on to the, uh, the Objective Basketball Podcast. Anything you want to add? Anything you want to, like, plug? I, I mean, I feel like people already know you. There's nothing really to plug, but would you like to plug anything? I don't know. No, I was just, yeah, follow 
follow the Raptor show, give it a yeah. review because uh, we're in a long-standing one-sided feud with Draymond to, to stay as the number one podcast in Canada. I was literally the nice. number one podcast in Canada this whole season until Draymond stomped on DeMontis Sabonis and that <laughs> got him to number one. So I'm pretty pissed about that and I would like to reclaim the throne. So I think you have um, to st- stomp on someone now. I think that's the, the you know. Okay. Next All right. If, if next time I see DeMontis Sabonis, I will try to step on his chest and then pretend like he grabbed my leg and uh, yes. try to pass it off. Yep. That's the goal. That's the yeah. goal. Uh, hey, man, look, I will say from for me and a lot of other, you know, Raptors media people who are trying to come up in this game, you are a pioneer in a lot of ways. You're a person that people enjoy, people look up to, people have enjoyed your work. You are a trailblazer in a lot of ways when it okay. comes to blazing the path, especially for people, you know, who are not white. <laughs> yeah, you know what yeah. i mean no, I'd, I'd like talk, realistically uh yeah. you you've done uh, a huge huge favor for toronto media to be able to do this because you make people like me make people like other people you know be accepted in this, this sports media world so appreciate you doc i really do i really no, do. That, uh, that's real man because I, I think you know when people say this too first off i, I really appreciate that it. It means a lot um but i think what people are really saying is just like, yo, if you could do this, like, I know I could do this too. And I say, <laughs> I, and a hundred percent, I agree with you, man. I hundred percent agree with you, but uh, no, I seriously, I appreciate you. Nah, man, you, you have a, a special gift when it comes to that. And obviously a lot of, you know, Raptors fans can appreciate that as well. Will, man, appreciate you tapping onto the Objective Basketball Podcast. For me, from Lauren, who is in Texas, chilling with herself. Um, appreciate you. Have a good one. Take care. All right. That's peace. That's it. That's- Follow house at just S Barahini on all socials and at the Lauren Gun on Twitter. The Objective Basketball Podcast. Delivering the NBA to you like no other.